D. Smith, welcome in. It is the latest edition of the Unnamed Soccer Podcast. The Unnamed Soccer Podcast is brought to you by Three Punk Ales in Chula Vista. It is also brought to you by a place that I uh, plan to go to a little bit later today, Darren, and that is Sport Clip. I got to look good this weekend. Oh, do you, Jordan Carruth? Why? I mean, we're mostly just an audio platform here and some of the other ventures that you got going on in your life. It's mostly just the spoken word that people get a chance to listen to. What do you... What do you need to look good for? You got another round of professional photographers heading into your house and taking pictures of you and your lovely wife and your adorable son, Luca? Um, no. Well, shout out to the photographer. That would be uh, Sarah Soria, who is a Manchester City fan, lives in San Diego, and an amazing photographer. So if anyone needs some photography, uh, hit me up. I have a contact for you. I got to look good this weekend because, Darren, it's been a while since you and I have kind of done a... I guess you've been doing live broadcasts this whole time on radio, but it's been a while for me that I've done an actual live broadcast. And this weekend, we're live, baby. We're not doing a podcast. We're not just doing this random video that we're going to post later on YouTube. We're going to be uh, live getting ready for a soccer match. How about that? Yeah, uh, this is an announcement that is like four months late. <laughs> since, since we're recording on July 10th, we were supposed to make this announcement sometime in March. Uh, and then uh, all hell broke loose and the world got turned upside down. So we never had a, a chance to formally announce what it was that our plans were with San Diego Loyal, which is resuming on Saturday at 1 p.m. that you can watch locally in San Diego on CW6 and you can watch nationally and internationally on ESPN Deportes. But uh, the unnamed soccer podcast had been slated somehow to take over pregame, perhaps some halftime, and some post-match commentary. And then we got through our opening match against the Las Vegas Lights. You might have caught us on Facebook Live that wonderful Saturday from Torero Stadium. Where we threw water bottles all over the set. We just chucked water everywhere. We were so professional. Uh, and then the world ended, and uh, we, like most of you, just went back and hid in our homes for four months. But we are, uh, we are emerging out of quarantine, and we are planning on a broadcast, 1230, on Saturday, from Stone Brewing and Liberty Station. How about that? How about that? The unnamed pre-match show. We have the unnamed post-match show. So that means Darren and I are going to be getting you ready for SD Loyal matches on Facebook Live before they kick off Saturday. Um, and then following the match, you'll be able to hop on SD Loyal's Facebook page, and Darren and I will be there recapping the match, hopefully recapping a win this weekend. Um, so, I mean, how did we get to today? Like, how, I mean, we're, we're, we're back. There's a schedule. There are groups. I hear there's actually going to be fans showing up to the match Saturday for SD Loyal and uh, the Monarchs. But how in the world did we get here, and what does this look like? Because now all of a sudden, Darren, we're thrown into this group, and I don't know, but more I look at this group, it's not exactly the easiest thing you've ever seen. Oh, my gosh. The loyal – boy, the schedule makers. Welcome to the USL Championship. Here you go, Landon. Here you go, Warren Smith. We're going to chuck you right in the deep end of the pool. Good luck to you. Uh, you you're going to have to figure out a way to be one of the top two clubs to come out of this group if you have any postseason aspirations. That's the way it works. There are a bunch of groups, so they had to completely reformat the entire season. San Diego Loyal is going to be in Group B, 
We'll explain this in greater detail tomorrow. If you tune in on Facebook on Saturday, Facebook live at 1230, we'll probably do it again just past the end of the match, 3 o'clock, 3.15, somewhere in that range. But uh, they are in a group with Phoenix Rising, which you know, sets all sorts of records for scoring and points and was the regular season champ last year. They have to start the restart on the road in Salt Lake City, where they'll be battling altitude and 98-degree temperatures. That was the team that ended up winning the USL Cup. Uh, for good measure, uh, Orange County Soccer Club was a post-playoff uh, team. Sacramento was a playoff team. So uh, this is not going to be easy. You know, I, I, I'd be lying if I said I was qualified to go and analyze everybody else's schedule, but I, I can't imagine there's a tougher schedule out there or you know, a tougher road to a postseason berth than what San Diego Loyal has right in front of it. Yeah, I've seen other people argue that different groups might be, be considered more difficult. And listen, we're, we're new to the game here. We're a new club here in San Diego, so we're, we're learning a lot about these other clubs. But for me, um, Group B is one of the most competitive groups out there. And I think the way they've set it up, Darren, when you have the three other matches against the clubs in your group, you also have to play four matches outside of your group. And SD Loyal have already played one of those. That was back in March when they went up to Tacoma to play that Wednesday midweek match, and they got a win, uh, two to one. That actually counts as one of their non-group matches for the rest of the season. So of the four, they've already played one, and they won that match. But to me, what really makes it so difficult for them going forward isn't just the fact that you have Phoenix in your group, you have Orange County, a playoff team, LA Galaxy too. I know we've made fun of them, but they made it all the way to the play-in game last year as well. Um, so, and you never know what to expect with those teams affiliated with Major League Soccer Club. Um, and Vegas, I don't know what to make of Vegas. Vegas, I mean, they, they're obviously going through a manager change. And so you really have an, a question mark with Galaxy 2, major question mark with Vegas. You know Phoenix is going to be good. Orange County, we already brought up that they were a playoff team. You don't have like any, any teams that you circle and you're like, all right, well, let's hope we get nine points against those guys in the three matches we play like that doesn't exist in this group and on top of that they're out of group matches the match they play this weekend in Utah against the champs like you brought up that's not easy um and then you bring up Sacramento a playoff team and then Reno is the other team that they'll play out of their group and that is a team that they saw in the preseason and won but Reno was the two seed in the west last year so not only do you have a lot of talent inside your group in group B but when you actually have to leave your little Group B bubble, um, you're playing against really challenging clubs. There's no, uh, you don't have a chance to get out of this group and breathe a little bit. In fact, it might even get a little bit more difficult when you leave the group. Yeah, and it sort of feels like, just based on what we know and what we've seen from Phoenix Rising, that everybody's now playing for that second spot, right? You know, so you're playing to be the second team that comes out of this group, and you know, that's going to really make it more important to make some hay against those clubs. And also just looking at the structure of the schedule, Jordan, all your points so spot on, but having to play Phoenix back to back to end, to go home at home with Phoenix at the end of the season, like you might need those matches. Who knows where Phoenix is going to be? It's too early, obviously, to make any sort of predictions on that. Maybe they've already sewn up the group winners and they're just going to, you know, hey, whatever, coast there across the finish line. But the way the schedule broke out, I believe it's home against Phoenix and then finishing at Phoenix. Maybe I have that backwards. But two of the three times that you have to play Phoenix, I did. I had that backwards. So it's, it's at Phoenix and then finishing in San Diego, 
either at Torero Stadium or the Olympic Center. Who knows what's going to happen there? Again, all of this is conditional to based on, on, you know, obviously plans are what they are with the virus. None of us know that any of these leagues are actually going to be able to finish. So, you know, we should make sure to mention that. We understand that. We're just going to say under optimal circumstances, you would go to Phoenix, home against Phoenix, play them, and then, you know, see where you're at. But, yeah, I mean, listen, I think the bigger takeaway is, like, it's back. Like, it's exciting. It's back. You and I get to have this conversation. You and I get to be on Facebook Live on Saturday at 1230 talking about San Diego Loyal. We get to talk about their new shirts. We get to talk about the statements that they're making with those shirts, with the Black Lives Matter words on the back. We get to talk about a new st- – like, it just – it feels good to be back on a schedule and a routine and preparing now, Jordan, just a little bit more than 24 hours away from an actual, meaningful, regular season soccer match again. It is so fun preparing for a live broadcast. It feels yeah. like it has been an eternity for me. So I, I, love, that I-, I love telling my wife, oh, no, Saturday? I'm sorry. I've got to work. I've got things that I have to do. I need to be someplace because I have a live broadcast. I know you've enjoyed having all these weekends. If that means that we got to go get a maid, then okay, fine. I've been resistant to do that over the last four months, but whatever. I'm back. I'm back on a sports schedule. We've got Saturday. We've got next Sunday. So let it, let's go, baby. Yeah, there's definitely a level of excitement because last we were let off with SD Loyal. They're coming off a win, their first ever win. They got a draw against Vegas, technically top of the table still. Those matches still count towards the standings. It's not as if they're just throwing those away and all of a sudden those matches at the beginning of the year that we were able to sneak in don't count. They do. And so San Diego, like not only are you, do you have the excitement of returning to play Saturday this weekend, and of course we're all day-to-day when it comes to this pandemic, so anything can change in the middle of the season, but – it, uh, it is nice knowing that all of a sudden you're back, you have matches, you have an actual schedule, you have the roster. I'm sure Landon Donovan is very excited to be uh, game planning against another team, although it's a very, very good team that they're playing this week. And I'm sure he's just excited to go through that process once again of actually putting together a starting 11. And who will that 11 be? And what are the weaknesses that he sees on the other team? And how does he plan on exploiting that? Like, I'm sure he likes going through that process, although he got a little taste of it to start, two matches to start. Um, I'm sure he's excited to jump back into that routine. Yeah, who wouldn't be? Players. Yeah, who wouldn't be? You know, it's been, it's been a long time. And I love that this league, the United Soccer League, for what it's worth, and it's not going to get the amount of attention that other leagues will. We understand that. But this will be the first league to return in the United States to play in home stadiums. For better or for worse, we don't really know because we saw Major League Soccer pick up and play in the bubble. They've had some issues with FC Dallas and Nashville SC being withdrawn from the tournament, from the MLS's back tournament. But significant that the United Soccer League will be the first league to return to play in home stadiums. Now, Real Monarchs are going to host Loyal at Rio Tinto, and they're going to allow fans in, up to 5,000-plus fans. I don't know what they'll actually draw. I think they averaged somewhere in the 2000s last year. I I don't know that that would make me feel great. Uh, I'd be a little anxious about that if I were part of the traveling party. I don't know that I personally am ready to be around thousands of other people. I trust that it'll be done responsibly. But USL has decided to take this route. There was talk about a bubble type approach, which we're seeing with the NBA and 
the uh, Major League Soccer MLS's back tournament. One of the ideas was here in San Diego, said Warren Smith, but the league decided that different cities, 35 clubs, it would just be too difficult to pull off. So, yeah, we'll see a little bit of history as the Loyal play, as uh, San Diego Loyal plays in the very first match, uh, national broadcast for a league returning and playing back in its home situations. Yeah. So you bring up fans, and I think it's a question that a lot of people in our market here in San Diego, Darren, are going to ask, like, what, so matches are back, can we show up? Like, and where do we show up? Is that an option? Well, in our state, it is not an option right now. Um, Jeff Reuter, who we chatted with last week, who was really, really good. He gave us some fantastic insight on USL last week. So if you missed that podcast, go back. It's the most recent one. But in one of his most recent articles, he went out and he reached out to every single USL club. I think there was only two that didn't respond. Um, and they asked, like, are, do you plan on allowing fans in whenever that time comes? Whenever you get the green lights to let that happen, are you going to say yes? Um, San Diego Loyal, one of the few clubs that was actually quoted about it in the story. Um, and their quote was says, says, not at the moment. We plan to host fans at our matches as soon as we get approval from local and state health authorities. So they're right now under the no category. But the way I read that, they're only under that category because the state is telling them no. Yeah, and I think that they've already mapped it out. And, you know, I think what they, you know, they have a number in their mind of how many fans they think they can get into Torero Stadium if they're given permission to do so. And that's a big if because, remember, they play out of campus for now. And so they sort of have to abide by whatever guidelines they will deal with from the county, from the state. And also from the university, you know, which is, uh, you know, a, a university that has to, to, you know, make sure that its priority is focusing on its student body. So there's a lot of things happening there. I know that they've come up with a plan. I don't know what the number is. Maybe you do. Uh, of how many people they think they potentially could get in. I'm not going to hold my breath on that. Um, you know, I think that, you know, anything that you get with regards to people in the seats is just a bonus at this stage. Uh, I'm, I'm at the point where I've prepared for, you know, whether it's baseball or you know, loyal or what I, I'm preparing for my sports, not to have fans for the foreseeable future. I know that the NFL is dealing with reduced capacity and so are other leagues and, you know, real monarchs, right? So uh, I'm though, I'm, I'm not, I'll be very, very surprised, pleasantly surprised if we reach a point where it's safe enough to do that. And they can get people into the seats, but it's not something that uh, I anticipate. I'll, 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 see, I'll believe it when I see it, you know? Yeah, I don't, I don't expect fans at all this season. Um, we'll see. Obviously, anything can change. But with everything where it's headed, I, yeah, I can't I mean, imagine it's going to get any easier. Things, things change a little bit in this conversation. Like, every single day, everything yeah. changes. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you think about how, like, impactful this week was in this country for major league soccer, right. With two teams having to be withdrawn from the MLS's back tournament. You know, you think about, uh, you know, college football is something that I spent a lot of time talking about on radio, like how quickly everything changed in 24 hours, the different conferences are like, yeah, we're pulling out of this. We're pulling out of that. So, you know, who knows? I mean, I just think, like I said, I appreciate that we have something to look forward to on Saturday, San Diego loyal monarchs. I I'm pretty stoked for that. And then uh, on to LA Galaxy 2 next Sunday. One note I do want to bring up um, before we switch up topics, Darren, is the fact that um, with the break that we got, it's actually some good news for San Diego Loyal. They received good news because the 2019 Defender of the Year, Joe Greenspan, 
who was injured in that game against Las Vegas, of all the players that cannot be injured for this club, he's the player that went down in the very first match in San Diego. Um, he is back, uh, according to the club. He is 100% healthy and ready to go. So I would expect to see him in the starting 11 uh, tomorrow, which would be Saturday. I have no idea what to make of that starting lineup. A Greenspan's the guy that I can probably put a, an ink, put him in. But everyone else, to me, I, I really have no idea what to expect uh, with a lineup for Saturday. You, you bring up the stadium and fans and the idea of potentially like working in, I don't know, I've heard like maybe 1,500 fans based on the, the setup that's giving everyone enough space to socially distance. Like, again, any, any fans you get at this season is just going to be considered like a cherry on top. Um, but you bring up where they want to play, and you bring up Torero Stadium, you bring up the Olympic Center potentially, but we also got some pretty, I don't know how, if it's huge news in San Diego, but it's definitely news that grabbed my attention this week with the sports arena. Yeah, and, and that uh, is a developing story, as a uh, proper newsman would say. It's a developing situation, and I haven't really had a ton of time to digest all the details. I know that uh, instantly a reaction on social media <laughs> seemed to be negative, but what else is new? Um, here's the deal. Uh, this is what we, we uh, this is what I know, that the sports arena site as part of the uh, Midway uh, redevelopment, because they want to redevelop the whole Midway area, which is a neighborhood in San Diego where the sports arena has been for a billion years. It's older than both of us, which is saying something. And, you know, it's the home of the soccers and the goals, and there's been concerts there and uh, lacrosse and, and the seals, right? So, um it is, it is up for bid, that 48-acre piece of land. They want to redevelop that and sort of use that as what Petco Park was in downtown San Diego in the East Village to revitalize an entire community. And so they put it out to bid, and they, they put an RFP, a request for proposal process, out. And I guess it's down to two bids. One of the bids is from a group called ASM Global and uh, Brookfield or something. And they're responsible for like LA Live. And, and you know, they want to build a bunch of housing and a bunch of retail, make it a sports in, uh, district or, or something along those lines. And then there's the other group of which San Diego Loyal is part of, partnering up with uh, Toll Brothers and David Malmuth. And, and, and listen, I don't, I don't have a ton of information on this. But the idea, Jordan, would be that San Diego Loyal is going to build somewhere in the neighborhood of a 10,000, 12,000 person modular stadium, use it for seven to 10 years, hope to uh, develop a fan base, grow a fan base, really become ingrained in the sports climate of San Diego, which you know, that is what their goal is. They are, are well aware that they've got a lot of work to do there in that regard. And then find a permanent stadium situation. And I think it's sort of smart because, you know, you think about what we're dealing with. And I, gosh, I, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole. But when you think about Mission Valley, San Diego State, they're building a football stadium. But we're going to be passing by an empty parking lot for quite some time. So with this idea in Midway, if I understand it correctly, Loyal's going to jump in there for like seven years build a modular stadium, which you, know, you can use. Those are the kind of venues that you pop up for World Cups. They're not temporary but they're not permanent they're somewhere in between you can build them they're really cool they're spot soccer specific 
You can use that. You can take your time to find another place to go play, whether that's downtown, whether that's in another part of the county. I know they're still doing a ton of market research on that, but they want their own place to play. And in the meanwhile, you can use this land, which probably wouldn't be developed over the next five to seven years anyway, because you're not going to do everything right at once. And you, know, you can continue to build a fan base there in a soccer-specific stadium, which I think you and I would probably be well in favor of. Yeah, and it's an entire area in San Diego that, quite honestly, in that area, that you could use some redevelopment there. Like, that is the exact location in Point Loma that you would want to redevelop, and it would, it would change a lot of things. That's your entry into Point Loma. That's your entry into the peninsula. Like, that's what you see first. Most people, when they roll in, most people aren't going across SeaWorld and cutting in through Sunset Cliffs. Those are the locals. And a lot of the people are rolling through Rosecrans and going right through the heart. It's the very first thing you see. Uh, the idea of having a, a stadium there to go watch SD Loyal is incredibly exciting. Yeah. I mean, again, and, and, you know, I, an arena. I think, you know, the whole idea of the modular stadium is confusing for some people, you know. And, and you know, a lot of the USL clubs have, have turned to mod- – Phoenix Rising is in a modular stadium. So, you know, again, it sort of sounds like, well, wait a minute, what sort of piece of shit are you guys proposing here? And it's like, no, that's not what this is. Like, this is, it'll be functional. I would imagine that you're going to have cool beer garden type setups and, you know, food trucks and things like that. I'm just guessing. I don't know that. But, you know, it's, it's you know, it's going to be, uh, you know, the kind of structure that you use when you, you get Olympic Games or you get World Cups, you know, that you want to build these kind of structures here, you know, on a, a you know, not so permanent, but like, it's not going to be you know, brick and, and mortar that's dug into the ground and you got to like do sewers and stuff along those lines. Not that, but you know, it's also not just uh, let's throw down some turf here and then, you know, let some people run around and, and kick each other. Do you know what happens next in this bid? Cause we just found out the two competing bids. So those are the, the two that are, those are the only two options. How does this work? Did, will we yeah. have to get one of those two? Well, it's a bit confusing because we were told that there were going to be four, that four bids uh, had been submitted. Now, I guess two didn't even qualify to make it to this round. And uh, again, it, it, I, 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 I got to read a little bit more about these two. Um, but what happens next is then there's the, uh, the city council, the San Diego City Council Planning Committee. They will select one of these two bids. And uh, that bid will then uh, move forward to the mayor's office. The mayor will negotiate with whichever bid it is that city council's planning committee prefers. And if you can strike a deal, then it goes for full approval from city council. And then you move forward. And, and it's a much more simple process than like the whole soccer city, San Diego State West, Chargers, Padres. It's a much more simple, simplified process. Um, it requires, though, that in November, voters in the city of San Diego uh, have to, to vote for a temporary uh, change to a height limit uh, right. construction deal where you, know, you can only build on uh, coastal land, which is anything west of the five freeway in San Diego. You can only build up to 30 feet. So you we're asking for like a temporary lifting of that ban specific to this site. It's not going to be for La Jolla and it's not going to be for Pacific beach and mission beach and everywhere else, but uh, temporary lifting of the ban specific for the, the midway site. And then if that passes, then whoever it is that has the winning bid is going to feel much more comfortable about moving forward with their plan. Yeah. A very interesting week in San Diego. I mean, obviously it's, We've had stories similar, and it's a, it's a type of story that some people are just very 
bored with. But for me, I, it grabbed my attention this week. Yeah, sure. and you know who's like heavily involved with a lot of this is somebody who we know very well, uh, DK Newo. He is, you know, he's like part of the Midway, uh, like he's on one of the planning committees there in the Midway district. So, you know, anybody who knows DK, hit him up. He's all about it and pretty involved in, in what the future looks like with the Midway redevelopment plan. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a very happy Manchester United fan these days. Very happy Manchester United fan. We got a happy like United that's fan. That was good. Uh, you got a happy United fan. He's getting ready for an FA Cup semifinal. DK is as United get ready to play Chelsea at Wembley coming up, which is a rematch from the 2018 FA Cup final that I remember watching at Shakespeare's um, back in 2018 when Chelsea, you know, took down United and won the FA Cup. DK's getting ready for that one. Uh, Premier League, is there, is there something going on? Have you noticed, like, maybe one player who may or may not be, let's say, American being really, really good and maybe, maybe the best player on his club since the restart? Have you noticed anyone like that? Funny, I uh, texted my buddy Rory, who is my uh, buddy who introduced me to the wonderful world of Crystal Palace, to the Eagles. And I said, uh, I sent him a random trolling text the other day, and I said, uh, who, uh, who's the second best player in the Premier League behind Christian Pulisic? <laughs> said, I'm sort of struggling with that. I can't quite figure out who the second best player in the Premier League is. <laughs> And then he, after he got done telling me that I was uh, an American turd and uh, all the normal stuff that I get from my English buddy, he then said, Christian, he even said, and he's as cynical as he gets, he's like, he is an amazing player. And, and you know, he, he is something else. And now he wonders what Chelsea's going to do because you guys got other players in there and, you know, you got other younger players and the whole idea that, that Lampard was going to, prefer and select them ahead of Pulisic. Well, Pulisic is certainly making this a much more interesting conversation. But I think it's a fair question to wonder, like, how this looks moving forward. Like, you're just going to try to get through this season, obviously, finish. And is, now, in your league, is it top four or five with Manchester oh, City's decision? We find out on Monday. The, okay. the appeal will come back Monday for Manchester City. I saw Pep quoted saying he expects Man City to be just fine when that announcement comes up Monday, but who knows what's actually expected. Well, it might just, be, uh, it might be top winning. four, it might be top five. Just, just keep winning. But still, I mean, uh, you know, listen, I, I, and it's been great to watch. And, you know, I think one of the things about the restart is, for whatever reason, Jordan, I've been given, and I feel like this is Lucy in the football, right? You know that whole, do you know that Charlie Brown analogy? Like Lucy holds the football, Charlie Brown comes running up, and every time she pulls the football away, and I feel like Lucy a little bit here, and I'm sure a lot of other U.S. men's national team fans do. But like with Pulisic and seeing Gio Reyna and seeing Tyler Adams and, and, you know, just watching some of our young American players play abroad, man. Now that, like, it's been a focus on those guys, I'm like, yeah, when does World Cup qualifying start? <laughs> like, I feel like we've got ourselves a squad here. I feel better. I feel different about this group. And obviously – the number one player in that conversation is Christian Pulisic right now. Yeah, and hopefully what he's able to do, what he is doing with Chelsea, can actually translate to the U.S. men's national team because we have seen a disconnect there um, the last few times. Being away for the last few months with quarantine has actually helped Christian Pulisic because when we went into this, he was hurt. He was not able to play, and he had actually just re-aggravated an injury that kept him off the field for a few months. So not only was it a long absence, it turned into an even longer one because he re-aggravated the injury, but all of a sudden you get this quarantine, he's healthy, he finds time, um, similar to Joe Greenspan, and he's back. 
And he has put himself, in my opinion, I mean, Frank Lampard, he has to select Pulisic. He's one of the first names he's probably writing down when he's organizing his 11. I can't imagine he's not. Um, I watched one of his press conferences this week because I thought Lampard has always been very honest about Pulisic. And I don't think everyone, I think, people, I think American fans should appreciate the honesty, but sometimes what Lampard says isn't exactly uh, what U.S. men's national team fans want to hear. Early on, Pulisic looked a little passive. He didn't, I mean, he, that's what Lampard said early on. I need him to be aggressive. I need him to actually take control. Um, and he was a little passive and he had a few matches. He had a hat trick in one match, but then he would disappear. And there, I remember one match where they were playing a club, a couple of divisions down and he, he was non-existent for a long stretch. This Pulisic though, Darren, very different. And Lampard was talking about him this week. Um, he keeps getting asked, like, can you compare him to Hazard? What are the differences between just because of the position, obviously not the skill, although Pulisic looks really, really good. Lampard was talking about this week that he's more direct than Hazard. He's been more aggressive than he was in the beginning of the season. He's better running off the ball than Hazard was. He's seen a lot of improvement. I think what my takeaway was from Lampard this week was he feels prolific, has more confidence. Every, all the details that he brought up, all the little stats and what he's noticed, you can kind of circle all those and group them together and say he has more confidence. And that's what I feel. And it's, He's got to be one of the first names Lampard is writing down, which has to be a fantastic feeling for U.S. men's national team camp. Yeah, and you'll follow this much closer than I. I mean, I will just tell you that you know, anecdotally, watching the Chelsea-Manchester City match while I was on the radio was, for me, like one of the better matches that I've seen since the restart because the intensity level was ridiculous. Pulisic's first goal, even the second goal that he should have had, which was saved brilliantly by Kyle Walker I just like that intensity of that match without fans really jumped out but just the way Pulisic carried himself and his body language and his confidence like he was disappointed not to score twice against Manchester City right like you know that's sort of a big mental like that's an incredible mentality to have when you're like walking off the, the even though in victory right and you're thinking like should have done better. Like, you know, if not for like one of the great, uh, you know, miracle clearances, which was just like such a great effort. I'm sure you were probably pacing back and forth there in that room that you're, uh, you're in right now at your house. But like, I just was like, whoa, like, like, think about that. Like he should have been like, he was man of the match and like should have been even better against Manchester city. If not for some ridiculous effort, like it was, it was just great to see. Like, he just – he does. Like, he's transformed. The look on his face, he just – he wants it, man. I love it. I love seeing it. And, again, like, good for you. And, Chelsea, you get to double dip on it because you got him there and you also get him with the national team, which, you know, whenever qualifying picks back up, we'll see what that looks like too. Yeah, and I, I really don't fault many players who are coming back for this weird shortened season to finish off what they need to finish off. Like, I, I don't fault players who aren't back and looking 100% or as, like they're locked in as if they've been playing every single week. Pulisic, it just seems like he's uh, taken the approach that like a crisis is a terrible thing to wait, and he's just going to capitalize on this. Yeah, and, and, and bring that with you to the national team. Like, this is your team now, right? Like, you don't have to defer to Bob Brad, uh, um, Michael Bradley, like Josie. Like, this is you. Like, you are, you are the person that we as national team fans are turning to. Like, be that guy. Be that guy for us. Eight goals in the Prem this year for Pulisic has him level with Roberto Firmino, 
Alexander Lacazette, and Deli Ali. Not bad. Not bad for Pulisic. You love to see it. And since last we chatted Liverpool for the first time in some people's lifetimes, crowned champions. How'd you like that celebration where they're shooting rockets in the government buildings? Um, well, I mean, they, they get the trophy after Chelsea knocks down City. So that was, uh, I was celebrating the Chelsea win. You're welcome, Liverpool fans. Do, do little... you think they, uh, they break the record? What are they at? 92 points now, four matches left. Burnley at Arsenal, Chelsea, uh, and then I think away Newcastle. I think they break the record. Yeah. 100, right? 100 is the record? I, they are, they're going to break it. I you think, think they're, they're motivated by that? I would imagine so. I don't, I mean, how many more opportunities are you going to have as a player where you have a handful of matches remaining to set a record like that? You're not, you're, it's unlikely that they'll be in that situation again. Maybe, but then again, they'll probably do it next year and break that record again. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so there you go. Pulisic looks good. Hopefully it translates to the U.S. men's national team. And Darren, I'm excited to be uh, back tomorrow for our, Live broadcast as SD Loyal get ready to return to action. Like you said, the first uh, sport, the first league to return in their home market, and even with fans, USL is back this weekend. That's right. Uh, we'll be on again Facebook Live, and uh, the match itself is going to be on CW6 if you live in San Diego, ESPN Deportes, every place else, 1 o'clock Pacific time. Should be a very, very warm afternoon in Salt Lake City. I might have to stop by. Serrano's on my way to Liberty Station and Stone Brewing just to say hello to the Pena and see what's going on with the Barca crew there, Pena Blagrana, and say hello. I've been there uh, a couple of times since La Liga returned. I'm sure it was pretty fun during the week watching them relegate Espanyol. If you can't win a trophy, relegating your crosstown rivals, it's not a terrible consolation prize, I suppose. It really doesn't matter, but I'm curious. Was that was that a home match for Barca, or did you guys have to go? Oh, Obviously, it's in Barcelona. Yeah, right? it was in Camp Nou. It was in Camp Nou. Okay. Yeah. yeah. First time the relegated since the 90s. Uh, they don't get relegated very often. I would say it was sort of like a weird, like, like oh, you, know, I, you sort of enjoy a rivalry, and then you're like, well, and then you're also kicking them down to the Segunda. Good luck. Um, I would enjoy it. Don't feel yeah. bad. No, I mean, they'll eventually be back. You'll enjoy that rivalry again for what it is. But they'll be back. I think every time they've been relegated, they've been back the next season. So, yeah, I'm just thinking like if if relegation was here in the states, like if SD Loyal could relegate Orange County, it'd feel fucking great. I, I, <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't miss them at all. <laughs> that's somewhere down the road. I think that that that's probably in the plans for the USL at the championship level, and then League One is to have that sort of promotion and relegation, which is why you see a lot of people thinking that maybe it's the USL, not MLS, that will be the league that delivers for soccer fans in this country. Yeah. All right, D. Smith. I will see you tomorrow. I look forward to the broadcast, Facebook Live um, from San Diego Loyal's Facebook page. So that's where you can check it out. Um, again, we want to thank our sponsors, Three Punk Ales in Chula Vista and Sport Clips, where it is good to be a guy. Darren, I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Peace.